the history of personal computing. History, history, history. History of Personal Computing. Hi everyone, this is David. If you haven't listened to our special Christmas holiday show from Christmas Eve yet, you'll really want to take the time and do that. We had one dozen stories, and they're all good. Both Jeff and I are very proud to have produced it for you. Jeff handles most of the website duties, and I handle the audio editing. We weren't sure of how many submissions we would ultimately receive, and we didn't know if they would be enough to even fill the show. So we also recorded some bonus content an audio show-and-tell, plus a few weird and interesting eBay auctions. After I began putting the show together, I quickly determined that we had plenty of stories to fill an hour. In fact, the show is an hour and 16 minutes. So, we decided to release this bonus content later, on today, Friday, December 26. Hope you enjoy it. We thought we could do a couple of other fun things, like first, an audio show-and-tell. So why don't you get started, Jeff? Okay. Um, well, the first thing is, first of all, do you know what ham radio is? Of course, yes. Okay. Amateur radio. Listeners, amateur radio, yes. That's that antiquated hobby that you know we can talk around the world without the use of cell phones. Um, and actually, it started, uh, didn't we talk about this a little bit, I think? A Were little we bit. We talking about Radio Shack, I guess, and their catalog? Yes. It started in the early days of radio, before entertainment radio, even. That's correct. Well, my son recently passed his ham radio test and is now a technician class licensee. Um, All right. That's that's the starting um, level. Yeah. Now he won't be too, he won't be active too much until he gets his radio equipment figured out and set up because everybody had you know in these kind of hobbies have have their radio equipment. Yeah, as soon as he builds it, right? Well, he, he his... can build something, but you know you can buy these things cheap <laughs> yeah. these days. Um, it's just a matter. Who knows? Maybe somebody will get him something for Christmas, uh, and maybe he'll have a story to tell on another podcast. Anyway. Um, I'll, I'll probably have to introduce him to like digital forms of radio communication, uh, even trying out the old-fashioned mode of packet radio that was popular in personal computing history. And retro but, computers for the longest time, I know hamfests yes. were a great way of finding old computers. They they were, and they just they kind of worked together. Um, and then eventually, hamfest became computer shows, and now hamfests are really few and far between. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's that's the way it is, but. It's still a nice hobby. It gives me something else to spend money on. And well, and speaking of spend, spending money, another thing that happened recently. Um, well, first of all, I, I rarely buy into things like uh, MMORPGs. I think. Wait, let me try it. Wait, it's a wait massively multiplayer, a uh, well, role playing game. What's O? Um, uh, online. Online. Okay, got it. Yeah, you did better <laughs> than me figuring that one out. Anyway, I don't get into those games too much uh, unless the game has a hook into something you know, more vintage or something that I remember, like the the Sims series and, and other games like that. But back in 1985, there was a popular game for a number of home computers, including the Commodore 64, which I used it on, called Elite. Mm-hmm. And Elite is a single-player campaign-based space trading and flight simulator that takes place in outer space. You would fly from star system to star system and trade commodities for profit. Uh, and you would even fight off the occasional alien enemy that intercepts your ship during a hyperspace trip. Well, the modern version of that game has recently been released, 
and I've been hooked on it since you know, for, since I got it, you know, for for a while. Um, ah. Some it, it's it's the same kind of gameplay mechanics as the original Elite, but of course with modern graphic detail and of course modern physics enhancements. Um, it ah. now supports full open play in an immersive galaxy consisting of over 400 billion star systems, and they're apparently all accounted for along with however many other players happen to be logged into the game at the same time. I mean, this thing's huge. Is it called Elite Dangerous? Yes, it is. Okay, I was doing and I got it. The, I got it the day, I, I was, it was a Kickstarter project, and I was going to get in it early because a friend of mine just kept, you know, nudging me, you got to get it, you got to get it, got to get it, and I just didn't want to spend the money on it, but then the last day before official release, I got an invite to get it in, get it at the discounted price, uh, plus, they'll give you a free shipping, you know, a secondary shipping game. So I said, oh, what the heck, because it was uh, let's see, 35 pounds is what it was. Uh, I think it was like $52 or something. Now it's 50 pounds to get it, um, which makes it closer to 70 to $80. So I saved a few bucks, and it, it's really a great game. If you like space flight and you want to deal with real-world interspace physics, if you know, quote, we have, if you suspend disbelief just enough to realize that you can travel the speed of light or faster with, hmm. with certain rules, you control your ship, you can get into accidents, you can bump into other ships, you can accidentally fire on somebody and then end up being hunted for a bounty. It's, it's just a full campaign, people against people. Wow. You know, you can trade stuff or you can, you know, go fight pirates or you can start wars, whatever. It's open, but it's all space based. And did you say, did you ever play the original version? Yes. Not a lot because at the time it just seemed, you know, back in the uh, mid-80s, it just seemed a little too complex for something I wanted to do at the time. I didn't want to get into any massive campaigns, even on a Commodore 64 and a disk drive. Uh, you could still end up spending a lot of time. I was busy with other things. I was younger then. I never played it. I don't, I never heard of the game until, because um, I wasn't a big gamer when I was, younger at all but um i hadn't heard of it until like i want to say 2010 and i'm sitting here while you've been talking searching because i feel bad because obviously i can't remember the guy's name but there's a there's a great um like a series of videos on youtube where uh and he the the guy does like reviews of old games really excellent have you ever seen it jeff maybe or, no there, there's so much he has a book there. out too and maybe by the end of the show it'll come to me we can put the uh, a link in the show notes um, ah, felt terrible. But I used to, I, cause I know I went through and watched every episode the guy did, but it's been a bunch of years and I kind of forgot about it. I don't know if he's still doing it or not, but he, he talks about elite and it was really good. So I'll figure it out. And that would be Matt Barton. And the episode is Matt chat five. Look for a link in the show notes to that YouTube video. Yeah, it was pretty good at the time, even on such limited hardware to have, you know, the 3d wireframe, but then it would have occlusion. So you wouldn't see through. Yeah, something you know, it would you would know that what's the front or the back of something because the back lines were occluded, so it, everything looked more solid. But it was amazing for what they did. I remember it, it stood really out to me because there's a there's like a couple of things that made it very um, revolutionary at the time. Yeah, and it came out in like the Amiga and 16-bit computers. Uh, I think it was called Elite Frontiers or Frontiers Elite or something like that, an improved version of it. But then it kind of just stayed stagnant until you know this kickstarter campaign came up um, almost two years ago i believe is when it started but it's been building up and it had a very smooth release to the public and 
it's just a lot of people are saying they're hooked on it. You know, <laughs> they just can't. They, they think about it all day long. What can I do next in this game? And there's been a number of uh, like old video game developers have now come back and made new versions and stuff through Kickstarter campaigns. Yeah, crowdsourcing. It's a great thing. Well, that's that's basically all I have, though. Uh, so, so I have a couple of things. And um, okay. so what mine are is I actually drove on, uh, it was either Saturday or Sunday, but I drove to Greenville, South Carolina, uh, which is about two hours away. And uh, Christopher, I basically, uh, it's not like he was going to trash it or anything, but I, I uh, saved a bunch of stuff. So I haven't done that in a while. So I brought a car load full of uh, some old computers and some old software home. And I got a couple old Mac desktops and a Mac laptop and a K Pro. Oh, did get... you get a K Pro? Yeah, I got a K Pro, and he listened to our show you know, about our K Pro episode. So I just need to get a boot disc for it. But anyway, so I came across a couple of interesting pieces of software that I thought I would talk about because I don't think I've, I haven't seen these things before. So, okay, first off is some software from a company called uh, High Tech Expressions, and just looking at the box and stuff, these were not like uh, I think you know, mainstream first run sort of software. This is like a smaller company or whatever. And, like Cosme uh, software that was just yeah. cheap, but did the job, right? Yeah. But uh, they're from 87. It looks like both of these titles, 86, 87. One is called. I'm familiar with high tech expressions. Really? They, they, they did a lot for the Commodore 64. So one's called print power, design and print signs, cards, stationary banners, and more. And the other one's okay. called Partyware, design and print card signs, prizes, banners, placements, and place, uh, Party place cards. sounds familiar. So very similar, uh, print right? Power, I'm familiar with print power. It's here's like the, here's print the, shop light. Here's the weird thing or what struck me. So you correct me if I don't think I'd ever seen this before. There are links in the show notes where I found both of these on eBay. I think one actually shows the box and stuff, and the other one I think I only found some diskettes. But in both cases, let me open up print power here. No, actually, party wears easier. So there's two diskettes in here, okay? Yep. And uh, so in this first diskette, it says, Atari program disc, this side. Commodore graphics, graphics disc, flip side. Okay? Yes. And then on the next one, it says, Commodore program disc, this side. Atari graphics disc, flip side. Yep. So this one box is for Atari 8-bit and Commodore, and there's two different type of formats on either side of the diskette that's correct and and high tech did do that um have you heard of this stuff. other than this company uh, i mean i didn't not, know you could do not that. that i remember I, there were probably other companies that did something similar i thought there was something done with like uh, apple and commodore i never high, i mean high tech would always or mostly do atari on one side and commodore on the other because you know, think about it back then nobody had both and those who did, well, they just had a bonus. You know, we know, and it's not, and I, I'm pretty sure at some point I've seen some software where maybe it had two platforms on different discs. And my first thought was, well, you know, why didn't they just put, make one disc Commodore on both sides, make the other one Atari on both sides. But you know why I think they did it this way, which is kind of brilliant at the time, is because then you could use them both at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you could point. boot your Commodore, have that disc in, and put the other disc in, and now you have both diskettes you can use at the same time. That's a good point. I would have originally thought that maybe they just run these things off of separate lines and they grab one from each line and throw it together. Yeah. You know, one, that, one that copies out the, the, the program and one that copies out the data. But yeah, that does make sense. You can use them both at the same time. So I guess obviously the, um, the formatting is different on a Commodore disk drive and an Atari you know, 400, 800 disk drive. 
but I guess the mechanisms are compatible because they can format the same diskette differently on each side. Did I say that right? Yes. I think, do you see it, what I'm it, saying? It, well, they're single-sided disks. Yeah, it works in either either machine, but the formatting has to be appropriate for that machine. But there's nothing... Yep. I guess that's silly what I'm saying because, yeah, the diskettes weren't weren't specialized or anything after you had soft sector. No. Okay, well, anyway. <laughs> Commodore Drive would only format one side. The other would be blank unless you flipped it. So I, yeah, you can take any disk now and go to one single-sided computer, format it, flip it around to an, and take it to another single-sided uh, disk drive and format it that. Just make sure you keep your side straight. <laughs> so I just got, kind of thought that just, you know, stood out to me and just thought it was kind of interesting. I hadn't really seen that before in all my years of collecting. And then also, I just thought this was just interesting. Here's a piece of software. So tell me if you've ever heard of it. It's from Access Software Incorporated from 1987. It's called Echelon. 3D Space Flight Simulator. And I did find some on eBay, but um, I only found the game on eBay. And what's interesting about the box I'm holding is included with game on the front of the box, it says the lipstick. And basically, yes. you've heard of this? I, I, I actually did. I never had the lipstick, but... And um, this is for Commodore. This is for Commodore 64. Yep. So the lipstick, to look at it, it looks like a headset with a, a little microphone you know, little thing that comes around. And then it's, then it's got the cord that plugs into the computer on the joystick port. And it's got kind of like a little box that says the lipstick. Um, but in looking at it, you know, it's really cheap. It's just plastic. It's really just a very basic microphone. And the, the it doesn't have speakers or ear sets, ear pieces or whatever. They're just foam. Just it's a, a signal-operated switch. Yeah, just to sit on your head. You were and supposed to yell like fire and it yeah. Trigger exactly. That's what it is. So what it's, it says is it's um, neat. I never actually owned one, but I've seen it before. It was like one of those pieces of software that was a little more expensive because it came with that special lipstick. Yeah. So it says it's a 1995 value. So it says it's a voice-activated control headset. It plugs into control port number two and functions with your joystick to enhance and expand your game playing enjoyment. The lipstick uses voice activation quote-unquote, to initiate various control sequences. For example, instead of pushing the joystick button to fire weapon, weapons, just say fire or launch. And the computer responds. Isn't or that amazing? Sneeze or belch. You know, <laughs> any, any intense sound would do that. And what's a shame is it doesn't have the software. <laughs> it's got the lipstick. So I'm going to hang on go. to it, though, and see if I can find the software, because hey, that'd just be it, interesting. Does it have a pass-through for a regular Atari joystick? Oh, the um, it's in the garage. <laughs> so okay. I have the box I'm holding because I took it out. I'm looking Check at it. Check to see so. if it has a pass-through. Then if you have an Atari... You so you know, can plug the joystick into the, this plug. Yeah, and it probably overrides the fire button. You might be able to use it on games like you know any, any Atari game um, and oh, use it as so? a fire button if it does that. If it does that. Uh, if oh. it has a pass-through, that means then you're, you're basically overlaying the effect of the sound-operated switch over top of the fire button. Yeah. But okay. if it requires two separate inputs, then it might be very specific to this the, the oh. Echelon game or other games that will read from one joystick for movement and the other joystick for fire button. That's interesting. Because actually, it does have circuitry in that little box, I guess. Echelon is really very similar to the battle uh, part of um, Elite. It's basically 3D flight simulation where you battle a lot. Oh, really? Elite, You'll have battles, but the environments simulate the 3D. Oh, yeah. How about that? The Echelon probably focuses more on the graphics and, and 
and the gameplay there. You don't have you don't have the trade missions yeah. or anything like that. Hmm. Cool stuff. Yeah. Now, what you need to get a Commodore sixty four again to make it work? No, no, I have a Commodore. Oh, I have okay. Commodore sixty four. Remember, I'm an old Commodore sixty four and Mac. Oh, guy, that's right. So I have a that's couple right. of Macs and I have a couple of Commodore sixty fours. I have a sixty four C or I have a C sixty four, sixty four C, and SX sixty four. So I have three Commodore 64s. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty much covered. I'm all set. <laughs> it's still cool stuff. And you and you, you drove to it. See, I wish I could find more of that stuff. Yeah, My it was wife, fun. It was a nice little trip and, you know, driving to I, I would drive two hours to unload somebody's stuff if they wanted to give it away. I've done it yeah. before. And what was interesting is uh, in the Atlanta area, uh, um, just before Christopher had contacted me, there's been a, a Greenville, South Carolina, has been advertising themselves quite a bit as like, you know, a top 10, you know, I don't remember what they say exactly, but you know, it's, so it's a small city. It's not a big town. It's, you know, it's a rural city, but it's a small city and that, you know, they have like a awesome downtown area with shopping and, you know, so it's like a, a bit, a small city that still has the quaintness of a town. And so, um, so they're really advertising themselves. So I've been seeing a number of advertisements like, well, Hey, let's, it's worth driving to, let's go check it out. <laughs> Sounds like a couple of Pennsylvania towns. So why don't you take it away? I, since I, I, okay. In the show notes, it has me starting off the eBay auctions, but but actually, why don't you start off? Uh, we have both scoured eBay and found what we think are the weirdest retro computing items for sale right now. So let's talk about those. I have several items. Uh, one of them is, um, well, it's kind of related to the, the, my, my son getting his uh, ham radio license. It's the Commodore 64 Dr. Cuso, that's Q-S-O. Cuso hmm. is ham radio um, term for a communication, you know, a conversation. It's called the DQ64RTTY or RIDI cartridge. Yeah. Basically, it's a cartridge you plug in the back of the Commodore 64, and it gives you radio teletype capabilities from your Commodore 64. So it will help generate the tones needed to do radio communications. And I, there's... There's just a it's a small cartridge. I don't see too many pictures of the pinouts. Like there should be pinouts for this. Um, I don't see anything in the back. Um, this device is actually new to me. I'm not familiar with it, but I know what it's for, just because of the the terms in it. And a picture of the software. They um, maybe it just creates sound, and then you tap off of uh, um, the audio out from your monitor to do this they, they don't provide many pictures but this wasn't something like this was not uncommon for in the mid 80s for people who had commodores and also wanted to interface with their ham radio equipment uh it, it was perfect to do radio teletype stuff uh with a commodore 64 it's not that difficult with a cartridge aid like this because it's just a matter of sending digital uh, signals to the cartridge and the cartridge will do what it needs to do to create the ready tones needed to transmit over radio. And what how much it cost? Uh, originally, yeah. probably close to what they're asking for now, fifty dollars. Yeah, yeah. They don't show like they show the top. It looks like bottom side, and then like the well, they're showing like an interface, but it says there's no software required. So where's where's that coming from? Oh, that? it's a cartridge, so it has its own software built in. Oh, okay. So the, but so what's on? The, there's nothing on the other side of it. Then there's no plugs or anything. Well, yeah, they don't show us any pictures. But I just noticed something here. It's only a cartridge thing. It's made by AEA. Um, uh, 
I forget what it stands for, but I have an AEA brand device from the early 90s, which is a packet controller, which is basically like a modem. It works just like a modem to a computer. It has an RS-232 input. You can talk to it with terminal software, but it will convert your text into packet data, which hmm. is digital data in small packets that would transmit and burst over the air, and then somebody on the receiving end would receive that, and their packet modem will decode it and turn it into text on a terminal screen again. Basically, it's like using bulletin boards or communicating with a modem through the phone line, except you're doing it over the radio instead. But AEA is a is a big name, although I've always ever known him as AEA. I couldn't even begin to tell you what it stands for. I may remember it after the show. Um, but they're very they, they're a good company. They made a lot of stuff for ham radio and interfacing with computers. So that makes sense about this device. I just never seen this device until um, you know I, I found it on eBay, just out of uh, sheer luck. Very interesting be cool to have it. If it was cheaper, I'd probably buy it, but I, I wouldn't. I, personally, I wouldn't pay 50 bucks for it. Are you going to try to introduce your son to any type of retro-related, that sort of stuff oh, he, on the he ham radio? Is, or? Yeah, um, or can you even yeah, do that those, stuff anymore? Yeah, you can. You can. As long as you can get um, like I can fire up my TI-99 with the expansion box which has RS-232, hook it up to that packet controller with a terminal program and then hook it up to a radio and start transmitting and pack it. But I need somebody on the other end oh, right. to receive it. Right. Um, unfortunately, there's fewer of those people. Well, it's kind of like trying to play around with the old modems. I mean, you got to have something, you have exactly. to have something to call up. Exactly. If I had, if I had the space for it, I'd probably set up a packet bulletin board. So you can do that kind of stuff, except, you know, everything bursts. So a packet bulletin board can actually be um, asynchronous, where more than one person can, can connect to the bulletin board, but only one person at a time can actually transmit their packet, which is like a burst. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, it's, there's some parallels with packet radio and modems for over phone. But I want to go to the next item, which I thought was pretty interesting. It, I don't think it was originally designed for what the person in the auction is doing with it, but it is kind of neat what he's doing with it. He's marketing these, uh, it's called the Great Sanyo Triple Screen Video Monitor, and he advertises it as run three different systems at once. And basically, it looks like a rack mount, like a 19-inch rack mount series of, I guess, five-inch black and white monitors, because they don't look like color. I mean, it's a great picture he has, but he's running three separate computer systems through the three different monitors. So I guess if you have a rack system at home, you can put this monitor set in there and hook up a couple computers to it, each of them. I think they're just NTSC black and white monitors, each one of them. They That's just wild. Use, they just use larger PL259 connectors to connect the video. But what he has is demonstrating is he has an Apple II GS, an <laughs> Apple IIc, and an Apple I connected to them <laughs> at the same time. So, it, it, I mean, it's it's gimmicky right now as this. You got to give the person props for trying to sell it for what it is. Um, I don't like his price, $455. Yeah. I mean, um, it's definitely worth something. And I at least $100. I mean, come on. It's 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 neat. Well, you could use something like this if you buy those security monitors. It's a novelty. And that's, that's what... Oh, look. It's Vintage Micros. Is it? Yeah, that's the guy um, who you know sold a lot of the Lisa stuff. Okay. 
I still think he's asking too much for it. I, I might pay a hundred bucks. Yeah, for I've this. gotten so bad with names, really, honestly, in the last few years. I, I just can't recall names as much quickly anymore. As I was happening to get you get old. But this is real <laughs> neat what he's doing with this. It's just uh, Yeah, I mean but effort. that's what it was for, is um I mean it was used for like a security system, right? Or probably in a in a studio uh, video studio for one of the many cameras that you know a director would watch. Um, to say yeah. go to camera three. One of the two. Yeah. Yeah, it's John is his name. John had finished. I can't think of his last name now, but John is his name. And, and he's in South Carolina, in fact, Marietta, South Carolina. It's but, probably not uh, too far of a drive from you. He had a lot of Lisa stuff for the longest time. But uh, uh, that's that's neat looking, though. Yep, yeah, it's like a repurposed thing. I mean, it's, it's cool how he's selling it. The only use I'd have for it is if I just wanted to watch some, you know, video cameras for whatever reason. Um, but the black and white screens—if they were color—I can see it being worth four fifty-five because that might actually come in handy for somebody who's doing demos with their, you know, you can even put that behind glass in a PC museum or a computer museum to show different screens of different computers, let people all look at it at once. Yeah. Uh, yeah but that aside, um, I'm going to go to my last uh, weird item, and I call this weird because. I just never expected it. Um, it is, it is CPM version 2.2. But what's unexpected about it is that it's for the Coleco Atom, and it comes on one of those high-speed tapes that the Coleco uh. Atom uses. It seems to be a nice complete kit. Uh, it has the uh, it has the case with the outer sleeve, the, the bound book. Yeah. Uh, the instructions look good. The tape looks like it's in okay shape. Um, let's see. It even has the, I guess, the, the license on the back. And Peter Norton on the cover. Peter, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For Adam. Did, was he really associated with the Adam? No. It's not really him. I don't, it's Maybe we'll find out in a future episode of History of uh, Personal Computing. Um, but I just thought that's... I mean, it, it, anybody who owns an Atom knows it's tough to even find, you know, the basic tape for this or any tapes for this. And here this guy has a tape and not only that, but it's a tape of an operating system that you can do stuff with. You have to get it. I, I should really consider getting that. Um, the price is, yeah, five hours left, $19 and shipping. Oh, it's it's in Maryland, so it's just south of me. Yeah. Huh. So it would be anymore. It's like it's 10 bucks shipping. I'll go yell up at my wife. Hey, I found my Christmas gift. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to do that. I might have to, if there's anybody listening right now and it's gone, it might be me who bought it. Um, but yeah, that's not too bad. Tape still sealed. Interesting. Very cool. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to keep my finger on that. Buy it now. Oh, no, oh, I'm sorry. Not buy it now. Buy it now. He wants 27 bucks. I, it, it kind of breaks it for me. 20, 27 bucks. Uh, I'd rather go for the 20. Um, anyway, that's what I have for weird eBay items. I'm sure I could have found some more, but uh, we're not going to inundate everybody with those. Yeah, there's nothing too weird, right? I mean, maybe we no. should call it interesting or unusual eBay items. N not, not quite normal. I might have found something that at least approaches weird, though. So my my first um, one, and actually there's a couple, a few of these on eBay right now. So this is uh, this was the cheapest one as far as I I, I could tell. Uh, it actually ships from the Ukraine for sixty five bucks to me, but it's a vintage oh, yeah. Russian Soviet computer, the Orel BKO8, a Sinclair ZX Spectrum clone, rare. 
Wow. That, that I mean, is that, neat. That would be kind of neat to have a Soviet-era personal computer, wouldn't it? And it has native characters on the keyboard. Yeah. I can get and, some of the pictures that come and up. And yellowed guess. keys, too. Yeah, so it's been sitting around. I don't know what their power is over there. Would that even work? In, uh... are, are they 220 also? I don't know. Oh, it looks like I'm looking at the back picture. It looks like it takes positive 24 volts. So 24 looks like, it, looks like it might be a barrel connector. So I guess if you have a 24 volt power supply, it, it, it's apparently either was fairly common or there are a bunch of them just came out of storage or something because, you know, like you look on eBay, it'll show you below it. It's like people who view this item also viewed. So actually, here's another one for $56. So it's cheaper. And here's one for 280. There's like three or four right here below. And, and there's a new sealed one for ninety nine ninety. Yeah. So I guess. It, anyway. And and free shipping from outside U.S. Really? There you go. Yeah. Oh, that's a much better Six deal. Six available, then. thirty sold. So. Oh, look at that. Bucks, hundred bucks, brand new. Maybe this is the link we should put in the show notes for those who may be interested. Oh, look, last eight pieces. Oh, so someone stumbled on some new old stock. You know, yeah. one of these sitting around. Look at that. Yeah, that is pretty neat. Wow, there I wish go. I had some, you know, it's Christmas yeah. time and I don't, um, I'm broke. No, I, uh, and, and that'd be kind of neat though. No, nobody will tell them before Christmas, but yeah. Uh, well, the person's got good feedback. Yeah, we should swap out. We'll my swap my out. son's going to build his own computer for Christmas. Uh, really? Got all, the, got all the parts for it. Uh, so he's not going to get one of these. <laughs> so that's <laughs> pretty interesting. And now I can't get one either because of the. Have you ever really looked at a Soviet computer before? No, I've looked at a Soviet calculator once, huh. a scientific calculator, but not a computer. That, that is pretty neat. Um, now the next... I wonder, if, was it Cyrillic? Is that the alphabet that's on there? Cyrillic? Oh. Is that how they pronounce it? I mean, you know what? That sort of rings true, but I don't know. I'm not sure. But yeah, that's the kind of keyboard. So, you know, good luck writing Eliza on it or something. Apparently, it, it does, it's not like a Chinese old computer where it needs a thousand keys or whatever, though. <laughs> if you're seeing one of those yeah that that would that would be difficult to manage so my other one is in norfolk virginia if you're if you live there you're from there that's what you say you say norfolk Nor norfolk okay. and people outside you say norfolk virginia anyway so free local pickup the person wants twelve thousand dollars it's a cray j932 se supercomputer system does march know about this oh i don't know i haven't told them let them know. Okay. Um, but, you know, asking that much money and stuff, it only has, like, one picture of the side. It doesn't even have a good picture of, like, you know, the the important bits of the panel or anything. Yeah, and the uh, uh, the, the second picture just has a graphic a representation screen. of his email address. Which... <laughs> and phone number. And phone number. That's clever. I yeah. guess because he, he wants to really sell it outside of eBay, maybe. Uh -huh, what do you think? That could be it. Let's see. What do you get on it? You get 32 CPUs on 16 boards. It, uh, yeah, two yeah. megawords of memory. Megawords. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's what they called it back then. As I recall. Or was it eight? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't know? <laughs> Does it work? It's got 10 megabit Ethernet. So it's, it must be one of the last of the craze, right? You know, Craze, I only remember by their name yeah, and their reputation, but even that, it's it's on the surface level. But I can't identify Craze systems other than the big round one that looks like a, a round bench seat. Apparently, it weighs about a ton. 
the two cabinets separate the disc array and ios is a 19 inch rack does mm-hmm. it uh does it say that it uh i've had the system up to the point where the vx works boots on the ios boards so anyway you know i don't think there's no way he's gonna get twelve thousand bucks for it colonel panic on a driver yeah that makes sense it could be running windows and do the same thing well, I mean, it's just, it's not even that, it, you know, hey, it's cool. It's a crazy supercomputer. It but is. But it's not a significant one, and it's just, I want to heat up my basement, I should be good to go. Oh, maybe that is the front. Now I'm looking at it, because I can see, okay, it's got the one panel there. Oh, I see, now that I'm look, zooming in on it. Yeah, it looks like a giant Dell cabinet, you know, PC cabinet. <laughs> yeah, it sort of looks like a more modern... Um, With a sidecar. Yeah. Each of them a 1,000 pounds. But I thought that was interesting. You know, I, I should have thought of it. I could have did a search for supercomputer. I wonder what we'd find. So there you go. Some interesting stuff. And that's it. Thanks so much for listening to the bonus content of our special holiday show. Our next regular show will be show nine, releasing on Friday, January 9th. And we'll be covering the Commodore Pet. So see you next time.